Today's episode is sponsored by the New Zealand Homeopathic Society. They're a charitable organization dedicated to raising awareness and supporting the growth of homeopathy in New Zealand. You can become a member and receive amazing benefits such as access to an online introduction to homeopathy course for beginners from the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. You'll also have access to the members-only section of their website where you'll find past journals and articles to download or browse. And you'll receive their quarterly newsletter via email, as well as a variety of articles on homeopathy, up-to-date information on homeopathic news, tips on how to use remedies for common ailments and upcoming events. Plus, you'll receive 10% discount on remedies purchased from supporting pharmacies, Similimum and Celine Homeopathics. And if you're a book lover like me, be sure to check out their online bookshop. It is amazing. To become a member of the New Zealand Homeopathic Society or to purchase some of their books, visit www.homeopathy.ac.nz. That's homeopathy.ac.nz. Membership is currently only available to people living in New Zealand. Today, we have a lovely return guest animal homeopath Brenda Tobin, who featured in episode 46. We had such a fun time, I asked her to come back and share some of her animal cases with us. So we will be chatting about some cases of a doggy, a couple of doggies and a cat, a bunny and a horse. So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that Brenda can see clients worldwide online. Her website is wellnessmattersonline.com. So be sure to check her out and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to hang with the lovely Brenda Tobin again. And if you scroll back to episode 46, she very generously shared some information with us on how to treat animals. And we've had so many comments on it. And so many of you have said that you're so excited to use homeopathy with your animals that we have her back again. So welcome back, Brenda. Thank you, Eugenie. So nice to be back. Yeah, and we've become good Facebook buddies since the podcast episode, and I've loved seeing photos of your doggies and horses and everything. You can see that you are such an animal lover. I am. I am. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always loved animals. I've had a connection. Yeah. Well, we are going to be talking about some animal cases today that you've treated because that is also something from from the feedback that I get from the episode. People love real life cases. And, you know, sometimes you listen to it and you're like, oh, my dog had this or oh, my cat had that. So I'm hoping today's episode will really trigger some ideas and people to contact you to just find some other ways that they can treat their animals because our animals are so over medicated these days. And we just had a quick chat before the episode and, and you were saying that people don't often think about this, that their doggies are walking barefoot on the grass. And I don't know about where you are, but certainly in Australia, they spray glyphosate like it's nothing when it's actually a known carcinogen. So these doggies are walking barefoot over recently sprayed glyphosate grass and you know they go and lick their paws so they get all this in and often we might not pay the best attention to their diet and there's loads of vaccinations and medications so if we can use homeopathy to lighten the load and help their vital force then no it's only got to benefit them so you've got the floor Brenda tell us about some of the cases that you've treated 
Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to start with a little kitten. Her name is Zena. She was just six months old and the woman brought her to the vet and the vet gave her a rabies vaccine. And this is going to be a solely indoor cat. So that kind of boggled my mind. But anyway, she had the rabies vaccine. And as a result, almost immediately upon taking her home, so it was within maybe 12 hours, the kitten couldn't walk, was paralyzed. And then after some time, well, she tried to jump up on the couch and was losing her balance. Um, So it started off with this wobbly kind of uh, gait, and then it turned into she couldn't get up. And then then she sort of could, but she had this hunched back, and just the way that she was walking was really, really odd. So the woman came to me, um, her friend uses me for her dog. So she said, oh, call Brenda. And I got her in immediately. I remember it was a Friday. I was all done with my day, but I said, you can't go the whole weekend, you know, so come on, (laughs) you know, let's meet. So she, she's out in California. I'm in Michigan. So all of my appointments are, are virtual nowadays anyway. So, so we met and she was fine, acted fine. And then, and then she tried to jump up on the owner's lap. She didn't make it. And then, so what I did, I, Oh, so she contacted the vet and the vet said, well, it sounds like maybe it's not from the vaccine. And what I think it is, is diabetes or kidney failure. It's six months old. old kitten. Right. So I, I ended up using silica on her. I always feel if it was any other medication, like if he had given her antibiotics, they would have no hesitation saying, oh, it's probably a reaction to the antibiotics. Let's try something else. But somehow if it's the vaccination, it couldn't possibly be that. <laughs> so when I repertized, I used tottering, walking unsteadily, awkwardness in the lower limbs, awkwardness, lower limbs, stumbling when walking, of course, Vex, vaccination, um, rabies vaccination. And then she was just a, a kitten. So mind, right? So she's playful, cheerful, happy, affectionate. I uh, put on generalities, it was right-sided because she did say that she, I think she was falling to the right, mm. or maybe she had the injection on the right side, mm. but I put right-sided and then um, in coordination of lower limbs mm-hmm. and mm, silica. So She was on silica a couple days and the woman sends me a text. Oh my God, she's fine. She's walking. Everything is, is great. And then we had a follow-up two weeks after and she still, she's remained. Oh, that's beautiful. Poor little kitten. (laughs) Um, I'm impressed with your repertorization. It's interesting because I'm not an animal homeopath. So, you know, even though animal and and human homeopathy is very similar, when I studied homeopathy, we actually had a separate, uh, animal homeopathic uh, line. So we would study our materia medica with the animal homeopaths, but when it came to anatomy and physiology, we would split up. So, and when it came to like case Ah. taking, we would split up. So the animal homeopaths obviously taught ways of taking a case that I'm not familiar with. So just when you were saying the repetitization that you did, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. She really thought outside the box. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I really do. So obviously I use a human repertory software program. And so I do. So lower, well, up if it were the animal's front legs. So I would do all upper arm, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And so a hoof or a paw would be hand. Um, <laughs> of course. I never thought about that way. Yeah. 
That's, oh, and then, cool. yeah, tail, I would look at maybe the coxbone or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, so, do we do we have a specific animal repertory? There must be one out there. You know, I have one veterinary materiometica and clinical repertory with materiometica of the nosode um, by George uh, McLeod. McLeod? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's the vet. But you're not going to find as much information in there as the computer repertories, though. Hey, I mean, you just couldn't fit it all not, into one book. Not at all. So, I mean, next Vomica, it's just a couple. Oh, yeah. But the paragraph, so not much. Yeah. So, um, so you really so have what to I'll think outside the box. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. And then I'll just always go to different materiometicas. Like I'll look up to sometimes, you know, seven different materiometicas and really look. And, and do so, you tend, tend to give the animals lower potencies or more higher potencies? I think we might've covered this last episode, but we'll just repeat it again for those listeners who haven't listened to that episode yet. Yeah. So I tend to go lower. Mm-hmm. And my theory behind that is that they have a, you know, a lower vitality because of the, all the over vaccination, uh, a lot of times poor food choices mm. and what, you know, you were talking about in the beginning with just the chemicals from the air, from the ground, and not only the grass, but also if you think about it, there's a lot of chemicals, even in carpeting, uh, and a lot of, um, flooring like vinyl flooring. And, you know, there's, there's a lot. So mm. I just feel like they, there's so much that I, I've seen much better results going low and repeating a little more often. If it's a chronic case, I'll always start low and then work my way up the ladder of potency. Mm-hmm. But typically I'm right around that 30C and even 12C, a lot of my seizure cases, they'll even be like a 9C. Mm-hmm. So I think have you, got any other, have you got any other cases there for us? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we have Duke and Duke is a dog and I think he's like 11 years old. Uh, so dog. he, he had been diagnosed with Rocky mountain spotted fever. So a tick born illness. And he came to me because he was in a lot of pain. He had not been vaccinated since 2015. The owner would run with him often. Like they would run together 20 to 30 miles a week. And he couldn't do that anymore. And the dog was really, he was well up until the springtime. So this was last year. He had a lot of neck pain. The vets put him on gabapentin. And of course, we took him off of the gabapentin. With the guidance of his vet, we weaned him off the gabapentin. And at that like first, a painkiller? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he had um, a head tremor. So, and the vet thought that it was from uh, muscle spasm. He would cry out in pain. Oh. Yeah. If he looks up and to the right, he would yelp. He seems stiff on his entire right side. He hunches his back sometimes and he acted like his whole body was sore. He also was seeing a chiropractor. So at first I prescribed arsenicum album 30C and I repertized um, skin, stings of insects, and generalities, wounds, bites, poisonous animals of, and then generalities right-sided. Then I put in cervical, oh, neck pain, and then neck pain right side on turning head. Uh, he was worse in the evening. Neck pain when trying to raise his head. Back tension, cervical pain. I did affections of the liver too because he had some fatty tumors on him. 
So he had some liver issues. Mm -hmm. And then I did um, back pain in the sacral region. He's normally very happy, cheerful dog. And he desired warmth and under generalities, vaccination after. Mm -hmm. So I tried him on our Senecum album and he had moderate improvement, but it wasn't enough uh, to make me feel all happy. Mm -hmm. So then... I always feel you've got to start somewhere, hey, with a prescription because there's so many remedies that could be indicated. But so at the end yeah. of the consult, if I'm tossing up between a few, you know, I always just think you've got to start somewhere and you throw that remedy out there and, you know, there'll be some little ripples that'll come out and it might make some improvement necessarily, not all of it. Sometimes all of it straight away will be cured, but yeah, it's a process. Hey, that's why it's so important for people to come for their follow-ups. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Yeah. No, it's great. No, yeah, that's, just so you can have that relationship so then, with a person and just keep on working until you get to get to that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so the follow-up from the arsenicum was that he seems like he's improving. He has more energy. He's less twitching. His neck seems looser, like he's holding it more comfortably. His gabapentin had been cut in half. Um, and so I prescribed our Seneca album 30 C just once a day. Then we ended up, ha- then we followed up again and the picture changed a little bit. And so now at this point, I prescribed Simisifuga because it was a lot of the lots at this point on, in the cervical region. And so after that, that was, that finished it. He was, he had Simisifuga, um, and by July, so we first met June 1st, I think. And then by July 21st, dog is back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner's happy, excited. I said, no follow-up is needed. And the exciting thing is, is that he, so that was July. In November, he took the dog back to have a blood panel to see if there was any more um antibodies or Mm. from the Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mm. And the vet said that if it was a 75 or higher, then there would still be an indication that it's in his, in his blood system. Mm. His was at a 25%. Oh, that's amazing. Right. Very, very cool. Oh, do do you recall what breed of dog it was? I think he's a golden retriever. Oh, I'm always, I love, yeah, I love those. They're beautiful. I love all dogs. (laughs) So Mr. Du- Mr. Duke is all happy and on his way and running his 20, 30 miles a week yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah, he is back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's back. And uh and so okay, I have a rabbit case. Yay. A bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. So this woman has pet rabbits. They live in her house. They have their own room. And so this one rabbit. Uh, her name was Trix and she ended up changing her name. And I'll tell you what that is after. So <laughs> I wonder if it's the she, same reason our rabbit changed its name. <laughs> <laughs> she named it after the remedy, this one. <laughs> oh, okay. So spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah. Our, our girl turned out to be a boy. That's why its name changed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so this rabbit, and, and again, this woman knows her rabbits. She knows the personality this rabbit at the time was nine years old and she had her for many, many years. So she started with having anxiety, a lot of anxiety at night, her (laughs) roommate or whatever, her buddy, her buddy, he passed away. So there was a level of depression, but she got angry after she was very fastidious, would groom herself a lot. Uh, she started though gagging a little bit after she ate. 
She was very restless, anxious. She loved being in the open air. Uh, Strawberries seemed to aggravate her. She did like touch. So I put touch ameliorates, although she would at first startle when being touched. So I put that in there too. Mind starting startled when touched. She would take small sips often, and then she was biting people where she didn't do that before. So at first I did prescribe arsenicum album, uh, just, you know, the fastidious, the anxiety at night, Mm. sipping the small sips, Mm. and uh, that didn't do a heck of a lot. And so then we switched to Belladonna and completely changed her. She went back to being this loving, sweet bunny and it, no. it was the woman was so impressed that she ended up switching her name to Belladonna. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, actually, Paula Brown's cow was called Belladonna as well. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And actually, Belladonna is probably the number one remedy I prescribe for my children clients when they start biting the mums. And even actually, uh, you know, when the kitty's teeth first come in, you know, they're like, you know, yeah. 10, 11 months and they've got some teeth and then they start biting down on the nipple. And it can be yeah. so painful. My kids each did that just once or twice. And then I think I got such a big fright. They never did it after that. But, you know, for the kitties who continue biting on the nipple, um, Belladonna could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. But That's I just crazy. also can want to say, um, I'm so glad that the client of yours had the bunny in its own room, because for those of you out there who are thinking about getting bunnies, they are some of the smartest animals. Do not put them in a cage. They are so good at free ranging. Um, our buddy used to use the cat door. So he'd use the cat door to come in and out of the house. He'd come in, go lie on the couch, and then he'd go wow. outside again. And um, he had, bunnies are very clean, so they will only ever poo in the one place. Um, they're mm-hmm. like cats. They are just the loveliest pets. And our buddy used to love playing with a soccer ball. So he would spend all his day, all day, just playing with a soccer ball. And he, you know, he would chase the cats. And um, he was just such a character. And I think if you actually allow these animals to, live as close as possible to their natural environment, you'll really see their personality start to shine. Yeah. And and she did. She had a separate room and it was for the rabbits and mm. they weren't caged. They had little separate pens, you know, divided by maybe like little playpen. Yeah. Oh, dividers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she so- really knew. I'm just so fascinated by your repertorization and I love that you're reading that out. And for our listeners, um, a repertory is a book that we, or a computer program that we use with thousands and thousands of symptoms in it. And then the remedies that are associated with those symptoms. So I love that, you know, you said the bunny uh, cleans itself a lot. So you use the rubric fastidia. So I just love that because obviously that's the type of things, the type of rubrics that you would uh, look for in an animal. Whereas, you know, obviously it looks the same in a human, but I just wouldn't have thought to think about it that way in an animal. So I love, I love how your brain works so differently to be able to incorporate these rubrics for our animals. So it's lovely. It's very interesting. I'm learning a lot today. (laughs) Please keep going. Okay. So now we're going to talk about a cat. And so his name is Jack and Jack came to me. He lives in a household with other cats. He's the only male and he would have these outbursts where he would just attack. He was focused intensely on the female cats. He did a lip smacking emotion and then he hit and then he would attack. Uh, he would corner the girls in the litter box. Um, 
he, he would try to eat with them and so, you know, be social, but then it was like, he just couldn't take it. You know, (laughs) um, he would be in a trance like state and then he'd attack, he would draw blood. He lunged high. Um, and then his teeth would drag and dig in. Um, he would draw blood and bruises. He typically attacked two to three times per week. And we did stramonium. And that one I ended up doing, looks like I did a 200C for him. And probably because he was um, younger and. And more mental, emotional. Doesn't, have you got any physical, no no more, no physical things there. It's more the mental, emotional. Yeah. And so we, so what what did I repertise for that? Um, Mind and conscious as if they're in a trance. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, mind sensitive, oversensitive to reprimands, loquacious. He would just meow, 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 meow. <laughs> mind mania, madness, bites and spits around those um, mind biting people. They did uh, connect the dots and they said it was after the rabies vaccine. And then he, so I put that in and then mind delirium mouth moves lips as if talking because he did that lip smacking before he would attack. (laughs) And then he had this fear of water. So I gave stramonium and she said that he's better. This was after the follow-up. He's different. He's not as aggressive toward the other cats. Uh, He'd been playing with the other cats. He seemed so much better. And when provoked, he'll retreat where before he would lunge. He seems more peaceful. He used to try to hump the owner's leg and he hadn't done that either. So things have been pleasant. She said the trance like state has stopped. Mm. He can still be a little bit jumpy. He's had zero attacks. The excessive eating has stopped. He used to come out and try to eat everything in sight. So then we stopped the stramonium and closed that case. But that cat also... I, I worked with him on another issue too. He had in the, so this was cool because she actually worked with a animal communicator. And so the cat was declawed before she got him. And the animal communicator said that his feet are burning. And um, so I think it was before this case, we saw him for the 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 foot burning, she couldn't let him out of a room. Like he had to stay in his own room. And so I, because of that foot burning, I gave him phosphorus Hmm. and completely mellowed him out. He's such a different cat now. I didn't know declawing is a thing. Do people actually do that to their animals? Yeah. That is just horrific. Yes. Surely that shouldn't be allowed. They're trying to outlaw. It's like if you took the first digit of your finger. Far it's out. not even like you're taking that your fingernail. It's like if you get that first digit, right? Yeah, it's it's horrifying. But he's luckily so much better. Right. And and of course, stramonium is one of our top remedies for PTSD, post traumatic stress. So uh, you know, it's yeah, poor thing. Far out. I think I need yeah. stramonium after hearing about that. I honestly have never heard. I never knew that was a thing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, and people would do it because you know, oh, I just got a new leather couch. Yeah, things like that. It's just horrifying. You know what? As you as you were saying this, Brenda, I just had this thought pop in my mind. Imagine we had like a homeopathic outreach program for animal shelters, 
where we could actually treat these traumatized animals with homeopathy before we rehome them because so often, you know, these animals have gone through so much trauma and then it's really hard to rehome them because, you know, they've got all these things that they're dealing with. So if we could actually treat them in the shelters and, you know, get them to a really good mental, emotional place, and then as you're handing it to the new owner, explain what remedies were used and how you can use homeopathy. Anyway, I'm just putting it out there because, you know, if you put it out there, you never know where it might land. Well, I'll tell you where it's going to land. So (laughs) (laughs) I've already thought about this once today. I have a meeting tomorrow with two people from rescue because that was my thought was like, okay, I get a lot of, a lot of animals that come from rescue and rescue is a beautiful thing, but here's what happens. We don't know the animal's history before Mm -hmm. going to the shelter likely they had been vaccinated. They get to a shelter, they immediately get vaccinated and the new owners pick up their new animal and then they go to the vet and then the vet revaccinates. And then we get a lot of behavioral issues, aggression, fear, anxiety, right? Which can be from a variety of of things, but vaccinosis is is something that absolutely can cause Mm. allergies, behavior changes. Okay. Skin so yeah, yeah. Mm. Gastrointestinal, all kinds oh, yeah. of things. Anything you can and think of. So, <laughs> yeah. So I've already talked to some rescues. Some of them were like, Mm-mm. and then um, some are willing. So then I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a homeopath and it was like, well, maybe if they, if we could get a couple of the ones that were on board to what I was talking about, and maybe if we gave, you know, it wouldn't be classical in the sense of being able to repertize, but what if we gave, I don't know, silica or thuya, you know, something to help yeah. with the vaccine, with the vaccinosis. Mm-hmm. And then if, and then maybe Natmia or something for grief or anxiety. They have feelings. They absolutely have feelings. So that's such a good idea. Yeah. So even even like a combination remedy, something like maybe, you know, aconite for shock or Ignatia for grief, plus a silica to help with the vaccination, just like keep it really simple to start them off with. And, you know, it's so great that we're having this conversation because hopefully there'll be homeopaths around the world world listening and, you know, wanting to, uh, yeah, get on board and do something like this as well. Because, yeah, our animal friends get a raw deal sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, we need to really stand up for them and help them. They deserve to have good, natural, safe treatment as well. As While we're on the topic, I don't think we mentioned homeopathic immunizations for animals last time we spoke. Ah. So uh, we do have homeopathic immunizations for animals. So anything from kennel cough to parvovirus and mixoplasmosis, I think it is for the for the rabbits we've got things for for chickens for lambs anything so if you do want to still immunize your animal and you're not sure which way to go maybe look into homeopathic immunization for your pets yeah so um this next case was pretty cool this was a border collie and his name is verve and he was this big agility dog like he did tons of of agility shows and tournaments all over the United States. He was, he has since passed on. He just from old age. But when I saw him back in 2017, he was 15 years old and he was still intact. And he was also well sought out because of his agility accolades that he, people wanted in that like border collies or whatever they would, they wanted to use him for stud. Mm-hmm. So he came, so he ended up having prostate issues. So he was dripping blood and 
the owner came to me and she said, well, the vet said we could only, the only option is to neuter him. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm ready to neuter him yet. He's still, you know, viable. So I said, well, try it out. So I repertized his case. I did prostate gland enlargement, dribbling urine after stool and, and urine. Urine color was red to a brownish red, prostate gland inflamed. He had chronic cystitis. So I put that in there. He did have some soreness in his lumbar region. So I put that in. He loved the open air. And uh, so it was uh, pulsatilla. And mm-hmm. I gave I gave him pulsatilla, but I don't see. Has your doggy got a bone? Yeah, do you hear yeah, that? just yeah, just for our no, you you can hear it, but it's actually really sweet because we'll just let our listeners know the crunching sound you hear in the background is Brenda's dog chewing a bone. <laughs> it's beautiful. So we treated him with phosphorus, and um, he was fine, absolutely fine. There was no more dribbling of blood, Aww. nothing. Yeah, he went back to the vet. The vet cleared him. He was absolutely fine. So that was that was exciting. And then I think later that year his daughter, there's a huge dog show here in the States called Westminster. And his daughter ran, um, she was the top winner for their agility in the Westminster dog show. Beautiful. Uh, Another dog, his name was Elvis and Elvis had what it's called panocystitis. So pano is when their long bones in their front legs grow fast and basically, and and then the tendons can't catch up. So it's very, very sore. And he, I have, I have actually um, on my business Facebook page, a video of him before and after, and it's just amazing. So I end up giving him mesorium. Okay. Mesorium. Yeah. Mesorium. M-E-Z-E-R-E-U-M. Yeah. Yeah. Never know how, I mean, it's all Latin names. We just all pronounce it different ways. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, so that was another one where, um, I saw her in the middle of March, we had a follow-up in the middle of April. He was fine. Absolutely fine. There was no more, no more pain, no more limping. And that's um, so cool because I've only ever used that remedy for eczema and like skin stuff. I didn't know it had a bone affinity. So great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it does. And I, I was surprised myself Mm -hmm. and that's why it was a Kent said, don't ever walk in with prejudice into a case, always take every case individually. Mm. And uh, since I've been doing that, it's been incredible because I never would have thought of that either. Um, Yeah. I mean, we all have remedy bias. Hey, like, you know, okay, this remedy is good for this, this remedy is good for that. But the reality is it could just be that that proving symptom didn't come up because there wasn't enough provers in the group. And so that doesn't mean that the remedy is not going to help with that. It's just that that's not one of the symptoms that came out because maybe, there wasn't enough provers in the group or a person sensitive enough to bring that, you know, a particular symptom out. So, so here is when I'm looking at material medica extremities, pain in the neck and back, horse with motion in the night, blah, 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 pain and burning in the tibia and long bones. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where Pano is. It's in the long bones. Mm-hmm. So I was like, interesting. And it, yeah, that works beautifully for him. So the next case we're going to talk about is a horse case and his name is Toby and Toby came to me. He had sarcoids on his legs. So his owner took him to the vet and talk about barbaric. Okay. So they would take, they would 
cut out the sarcoids. And I guess that they have these long roots to them. And he had many on his legs and of various sizes. And the vet would come to our house and in, in the driveway, cut them out and there would be blood everywhere because it's just full of blood. And apparently the, the, root, the roots are very, very deep. And then when they would do these biopsies, mm. they would always come back with a vengeance, right? The sarcoids mm. would come back and they would come back angry, so much bigger. So she tried everything. And at one point, the sarcoid grew back like a grapefruit. And and this was go- going on for several years. Mm. And then she came to me and I will tell you what I repertized. And this was so interesting, this case. Um, oh, I ended up doing a really low potency so super low, like Costicum 6C, but it helped tremendously. So I did, he was a very pleasing horse. So mind pleasing, desire to please others under generalities or sar- uh, sarcoidosis, mind um, company desire for, because he's a herd animal. He does like to have his mates around. And then of course, anxiety went alone. Oh, it was all on the left side. He was very oversensitive to, and then skin network of blood vessels, and then eruption leg vessels, eruption leg tubercles and ulcerate Mm. I put in there. And so they started with being on the Costicum 6C, they started to shrink and she was able to almost pick off ones that like were so small and almost flick them off. And then there was no blood. It was just wow. like, they just fell off. They started so they just to turn white, mm-hmm. turning white, falling off. And then the remedy just after a month or two, two months, it just started to kind of plateau. So then we just upped the potency. At, and then a month later after that, one little sarcoid is gone on its own. The biggest one is still big, but it's not growing. And that was, that was one of the key things too, is that these, they would just continue to grow Mm. and they were still getting white. They're not bloody when they fall off. Amazing. Yep. And then we went up to a 30 C. So amazing. I was going to say blood root paste probably would have helped as well, but if you can take a homeopathic remedy instead, that's going to be way nicer. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Uh, It's um, sanguinaria which we have the, home, oh. the homeopathic remedy of as well. It's uh, called blood root and you make a paste of it and you apply it to the area and it actually just draws the whole thing out. Yeah, oh, so, hmm. oh, that's neat. Yeah, it's very cool. I've um, had, uh, done a couple. I had a, a mole that was quite dodgy looking and I just put it on that and it just pulled, yeah, it pulled a, the whole process takes about three weeks or so and it pulls, um, yeah, the, the whole area out and it leaves a big hole and then you just see the body heal itself up beautifully and then it just leaves like a tiny little scar and then that just fades up for a while and yeah it's a really fascinating process our bodies are so clever if we give it the right tools I know I, I love I love that I love when things fall off <laughs> yeah <laughs> anything that comes out is good <laughs> it's so good um and then uh there was a little a little boxer he's the cutest little thing so a dog and just super cute tiny um he was adopted so he came from a shelter situation and he was neutered really young. He came from a puppy mill and he had chronic diarrhea for a long time. So um, he was just a classical um, arsenicum case. Um, oh, he also had a fever and he was over vaccinated and he was chilly. 
and uh, he had some itching in his ears too. And is that often candida related or is, are there other things with dogs as well? Cause I know with humans, I often, if I suspect this candida, I'll ask them, do you know, do you have itchy ears? And uh, often they'll say yes. Uh, but I'm guessing if he's a over lot of dogs. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think it's really from over vaccinating and mm-hmm. then of course food. So the ears are a window to the guts. We'll look at whenever I see, I have a case with ear uh, mm-hmm. infections and such Then it's like, Oh, what are you feeding your dog? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he was just a clear, very clear arsenicum case. And I started at a 30C and then ended up going to a 200C. And then a few months later, he had a 1M mm. and he's been fine. Mm-hmm. So much better. He's like a different dog now. It's great. Yeah. Arsenicum is definitely, I guess, if you've got an animal with diarrhea, it doesn't matter what animal it is, arsenicum would probably be the first remedy that you'd reach for. Right. This is another horse case. And you've got a horse as well. Hey, I do see photos of you with a horse. I do. I have four horses. Four. Wow. Yeah. So this horse case was a good friend of mine, actually. And and he just had all upper respiratory. He would have literally like green snot coming out. Um, She tried everything as well. And then, hey, can you help? And I gave him uh, natrimuriaticum. And within five days, he was fine and <laughs> never had oh. a sinus issue again. Wow. Yeah. You wouldn't think with the green snot, you wouldn't think natmer because that usually tends to be more clear. So that's, you obviously had some mental, emotional things going on there as well that made you think natmer. Yeah. Um, I, can pull up. I couldn't find this case, but I, I'm, I know I gave him natmer. It was just incredible. So, uh, oh. We had um we had a couple of boxes growing up as well. They are so full of energy. We had a the the boy was Obas, uh, which means like old boss in Afrikaans, and his daughter was Nula. So they each got to about sixteen years old, I think. Yeah, it's actually interesting because the dad died, and like the week later, the daughter died of of grief. Oh, yeah, it's really sad, but also really beautiful. Like they just had the most incredible relationship. And actually, my my sister always wanted a horse. <laughs> And, you know, we obviously couldn't, couldn't afford one and didn't have the space for it. We're just living in the suburbs. And so she would teach these two dogs how to do jumping because she wanted a horse so badly. So when she was little, she used to ride them and pretend they were horses until she got too big. And then, you know, she would get the broom out and then teach them to jump and then pretend they were horses. <laughs> That's, um yeah, that was me too. I always, I used to, we would have these milk crates. Yeah. And I would stack them up and I had a, an old saddle, an old Western saddle, and I would put the saddle on the milk crates and I would sit up there and I would read Black Stallion books <laughs> sitting saddle in my bedroom. <laughs> that is gorgeous. Um, here's a fun case. So it was this big uh, Irish wolfhound and she came to me because he had a lot of back pain and I think it was in his, um, I'm going to Google Irish wolfhound. I've never heard of that. Oh my gosh. They're big, huge, beautiful dogs. So, oh, and the lumbar. Oh, yeah. region. Wow. So he had back pain extending into his lower extremities and it was in his lumbar region. And, um, so when I reportized that I did back, back pain, spine, back pain, spine, extending into lower extremities, back pain, sore, bruised, beaten, um, lying flat on the back with firm pressure ameliorates. So 
that was important, right? So when I'm um, when I'm talking to his owner, and I said to her, "Does he prefer to lie on soft, comfy, cushy, you know, surfaces or something hard?" And she said, "Oh, yeah, that's so bizarre. He he it, he's in you know very very uncomfortable, but he'll lie on the hard floor on his back." not on his side, he'll flip on his back. And then I was like, oh, it's Nat Muir. And then here's the funny thing too. So you know how with Nat Muir, um, no mint. So we're talking and about his prescription and how to give it and, and all that. And she said, in, in, in the conversation, she said, oh, and oh, and his favorite, his favorite treat is um, those puffed mints. Like, like you'd give horses. And I said, oh, I said, okay, well, he's going to hate me, but no meant with Nat Mir. <laughs> she said, oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's not going to be happy about that. Cause that is absolutely his favorite treat. Oh, really? I haven't heard um, of those. Yeah. They're just these puffy, soft mints. And so we did our follow-up appointment and he was doing fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely doing fine. And, um, even his chiropractor had noted like, oh my gosh, what a difference in him. And um, so of course we stopped the, the nap mirror. And then after the owner, and I'm really glad that she didn't tell me this before, but she said that I was the last ditch effort that if this didn't work, then she was going to have to put him down. <gasps> oh, like, yeah. Thank God you didn't tell me that. Yeah. Beforehand. <laughs> so much pressure. No pressure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a chiropractor there that you refer to or that you, that you cross refer or it's, I'm just amazed that you, you said somebody else used a chiropractor for their animal as well. I don't think we have that service here in Perth, probably on the East coast of Australia, they might, but yeah, well, how amazing to have an animal chiropractor. I don't know of one here where I live now, but places that I, I used to live. Um, yeah. And one of my best friends, she's a, um, a licensed veterinarian who no longer practices conventional and she's a chiropractor and uh, she's also studying homeopathy. So she's, she's overachiever. <laughs> she is. She's wonderful. So um, oh, fun to, to chit chat with her about things too. And actually that dog was her client. So that was really helpful. Yeah. Well, do you, um, do you maybe want to share with us one one final case to to finish off with? And um, we're going to have to do a part two of this at some stage. <laughs> but I love this; yeah. it's gorgeous. And uh, just for our listeners, this will actually be the first time I've mentioned it. But I have started a Facebook group called Homeopathy Hangout Podcast, and anyone can join. And it's for us to discuss the episodes that we've had on the podcast. And I think this is going to be a great one to be discussing because I'm sure people are going to be asking, "What's the remedy that she used for?" this and that. So yeah, hop on the Facebook group and let's get the conversation going. That's awesome. I'm going to join. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That sounds like fun. All right. So the last case for today. So this is a cat and his name is Walter (laughs) and Walter is a blind kitty cat and he's just the cutest thing. And I think he has his own Facebook page, but anyway, he had horrible um, sinus infection. And so when I reportized the case, it was um, in a lot of sneezing. It was so bad. He would sneeze. And if he was near a wall, it would, all the snot would just fly out of his nose and get stuck to the wall. So his owner was constantly like washing the walls. I mean, it was bad. It was, it was bad. Okay. So he was sneezing, frequent sneezing, discharge was yellowish green, um, face inflammation, sinuses, he was chilly. Uh, he had some eye tearing, so eye lacrimation, um, nose catarrh, and then ear discharges were brownish. 
and he had that too. He would shake his head and, um, and, but he was very happy. He was just a happy, sweet, sweet boy. Mm-hmm. And I ended up prescribing Cali Bic for this one. Yeah. I can imagine with that kind of discharge, <laughs> I was thinking it'd probably be Cali Bic. Yep. Cali Bic yeah. 30C and that was it. He was fine. Absolutely fine after. Amazing. Oh, Brenda, this was super fun. I actually kind of forgot that we're recording this because it just feels like a fun conversation with a friend. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you so much for today. Can you please tell our listeners again where they can get hold of you? Sure. Um, so my website is wellnessmattersonline.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for today. And uh, let's arrange part two. <laughs> Eugenie, thank cool. you so much. Such a pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye.